And what's happening, everybody? On today's show, our buddy Chris Marler going to join us for a state of the SEC through the first five weeks. We'll also preview all the matchups for SEC Week 6. Could Alabama and Georgia be on upset alert this week? Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. Let's jump into it. He joins us every Wednesday. He's our buddy Chris Marler on Twitter, at Vern Funquist, with no E in there. Marler, how are you through the first five weeks of the SEC season? I'm I'm better than you. I know that. Um, Not like like career-wise or successful or anything like that, or just emotional stability and happiness. But everything else, uh, football-wise, tough weekend. Um, but no, I'm good, man. It was, it was a fun – you know what I really like about the season so far is that, knock on wood, we've had the first the first couple of weeks, like last week, like didn't have as many marquee games as week three – wait, four? Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of depth to it. Like there's a lot of good games. And for the most part, all the games have like kind of lived up to their billing, right? Yep. Besides Oregon and Colorado, I feel like there's been like a bunch of really good games. It's been a lot of fun. I'm excited for getting into October when stuff starts to matter more. Well, we got to start here, Marler, because there was a quote from Kirby Smart yesterday evening that came out, um, I believe on three sports at it, and it said uh, Kirby Smart was asked at his press conference about the SEC as a whole, particularly some programs making noise after being down and Kirby said this, and this is after their tough battle against Auburn this past week. He said, quote, I personally think every SEC team should be ranked. I can guarantee you there are some teams that don't want to, uh, that, that don't want to play them that are ranked. I mean, I, don't, I literally have no idea what you're referencing because every team we play in the SEC is good enough to beat us, and whether they're ranked or not, I could care less. That's an exact quote. That's why I stumbled over it. But do you agree or, with, with Kirby here? No. He thinks every SEC no. team should be ranked. That is like, okay, so here's one of two things is happening. One, he's carrying the water and going to bat for the SEC or whatever, and that's fine, right? What I think is happening, and number two on this this list of possibilities, which is, again, what I think is happening, is Kirby knows that he what he has right now is not what he's had in the last two years. And I think he's got to find ways to motivate his team and also kind of like do a little bit of PR damage almost like, like, all that, all that talk about, it's tough to win on the road. It's tough to win on the road. Yeah, I know, man. That's kind of why fans have been talking nonstop about how difficult it would be for you to go out to College Station. Like, and the fact that you guys haven't had to do that yet somehow in year 11 or 12 of them being in the conference. Like, it is hard to win on the road. It is hard to win on the road. But I also realized that with your schedule this year, there's no room for error. Like, there's no room for error. And the way that Georgia has played their first five games of the season, there's really no room for error for them. If they lose, even at – like. I, honestly, even if they lose in the SEC championship game to a one-loss team, I don't know if the committee's going to put them in because they haven't really, at least in September, won convincingly against any good teams. And they've they've struggled at times, especially early on in every game they've played. Let's say, I mean, like, listen, that Auburn team, that Auburn team needed like four or five turnovers to beat a bad, bad Cal team by, by four points. And you're in a dogfight with them until the last three minutes of that game? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. 
it, it's funny. Back to the the Kirby quote, it reminds me there was uh, Josh Pastner when he was yeah. the college basketball coach in Memphis years ago. He had a he had a quote at a press conference where he said, "Everybody's good. Everybody's good." And I feel like that sometimes what these coaches feel like this about uh, about the SEC. And it's funny because we hear it sometimes on a Monday, like Billy Napier playing Vanderbilt this week. He's got to get up there and go, mm-hmm. guys, we got a big challenge on our hands this week. And you're like, it's Vandy, dude. Like, relax. Yeah. Now, for Florida, they lost to them last year. So maybe that right. is a little bit real. But it's just funny. Whenever, like, when Kirby has to do that and get up there, when he had these juggernaut Georgia teams, and he'd go, yeah. got to prepare for a really good – I mean, this Vanderbilt team, they're really good. And it's like, come on, man. We know, like – be real. And I, and I, I understand that, like, this is an SEC podcast. I work for an SEC website. Like, we primarily dabble in, in just some of the SEC. And so I fully understand all that. But I also love to be objective and, like, try to be as, like, rational and logical as possible. And, like, there is a lot of SEC bias. I mean, there, are, there is. Like, there's only one, there's only one two-loss team that's ranked in the entire country right now. It comes from the SEC. Right? Like, like I remember going into last year, it was like, the, the highest one loss, the highest two loss, the highest three loss team in the country where they were ranked late in the last season, all from the SEC. Like, the SEC gets the benefit of the doubt a lot. And I guess we're – And it's justified, though, right? I mean, with all the championships, I mean, it's it's sure. it's earned. But, okay. But, like, you look at right now. Like, no offense to LSU. I think LSU is a top 25 team. But if we're talking about, like, it being based off of, like, like your schedule and, and it, where, like, it, it be merit-based – it's not like Maryland. Maryland's un- is unranked. They're five and zero. Like yeah. you just snuck Mizzou in there. Like in and, and like you know, I, th- I think that there's a little bit more of a bias this year that I do think is warranted because of the past seasons. But if we're being honest, with what we've seen on the field this year, yeah, the SEC is not the best conference on the foot in the country right now in college football. Well, right I, now, I meant to, on that note, uh, Tim Brando made some headlines this week because he brought oh, up. Great. He said he said he thinks it's absolutely ridiculous Georgia's still the number one team. And it is kind of funny because there is an argument. Should we go based off what we've seen, the record, merit? You know, what, are we going to reward you for a tough loss? Like, here's the thing. LSU, as much as you want to crap on them, they, they scored, what was it, 49 points? Like, they, if their defense gets a stop at the end, they, they yeah. have one less loss, right? So, I mean, like, it's you do have to take that into account. And, yes, all, Georgia is undefeated. And when you start preseason number one, you kind of get the benefit of the doubt. But, like, shouldn't voters and pollers be willing to slide a team down if it wasn't a hugely convincing win? If it was Florida State and they looked like this so far, do you think that they would have slid or slid down? If it's Texas, do you think they would have slid down? Like, no. Like, that part, that part for me is, like, very frustrating because I, I get both sides of it. I even said on our podcast, I'm like, listen, like, like in the first several weeks of the year, I was like, Georgia's the back-to-back defending national championship. They have earned the right to be ranked number one. But now we've had a full month of the season, right? And, like, part of me wants to look at it and be like, yeah, well, they deserve to be number one until they get knocked off. But they don't this year. like Because, like, because here's another thing, too. It's not like we're looking at a bunch of teams and all the teams are, like, average, right? Like, there's a – like, I keep hearing this nonstop. Well, there's not any elite teams. No one's great this year. Well, it's the first month of the season. Nobody's a finished product. And then, two, like – there's a lot of really, really good teams like Washington, Oregon, like, you know, Penn State we don't talk enough about. Like, I, I, I hear all the time, I go, Ohio State, like, how are they a top five team? Ohio State went on the road and beat Notre Dame. Everyone else around where Georgia is ranked besides maybe Nebraska, I'm sorry, not Nebraska, Michigan, who just beat Nebraska, like, they all have at least one win on their schedule that seems like it, it should be 
like that their rank is warranted, except for the top two teams. And it's so weird to me that like those two haven't budged. And and like, you know, I, I think Texas right now is probably it should be ranked number one. Florida State's got two big wins away from home. Um, I just I don't get it. Like I don't I don't see how. I feel like if it was any other team, they, this they, they would have already slid out of the number one spot. But since it's Georgia and they're from the SEC, and they but this isn't twenty twenty two Georgia. It's not twenty twenty one Georgia. Like I just I don't understand it. All right, I'm going to hit you with a few rapid-fire questions before we uh, move ahead and, and get into the week six. But I, I'll give you just a quick hitter. You just give me a quick 10, 20-second answer on, on what you think. Who's the no. best team in the SEC right now? Right now? I, um, probably Georgia. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, probably. Like, it's them or A&M or Bama. And we'll find that out this weekend. We'll get to that game mm-hmm. in a little bit. Uh, bye weeks for three teams. Just give me a quick thought on uh, on each one through the first five weeks. Uh, quick thought on Auburn. Um, better in in some places, uh, and, and and like gives you a reason to believe a little bit, especially with the way that schedule in the back half is. Um, the biggest surprise to me is that a lot of their issues aren't just passing; it's in game management from Hugh Freeze. Things that you would not consider to be an issue in the past, and the passing game, like. That's his kind of his whole thing, right? He's a QB whisperer, QB guru. And like all the issues they they've had really have kind of you can kind of blame on coaching. Yeah, it's so it's so weird. You would think if anything, a Hugh Freeze team is gonna throw the ball well. Mm -hmm. Uh, South Carolina through the first five weeks. Back to reality is probably the best way to put it. I mean, like listen, I think I we all love Shane Beamer. They are a fun team to watch. Spencer Rattler's been awesome so far. Would love to see them fully healthy. they were never gonna beat Tennessee. I was surprised they lost that bad to UNC. So two and three is not something that would have been that unexpected going into September. I, I honestly, I thought best case, worst case scenario was going to be two and three or three and two. And so you're not far off from that. I just, I wonder what the, the like the fan base is going to be sounding like as the season goes on. Cause it's not like that schedule gets a, that super easy after this. Yeah. They're two and three. They get Jacksonville state in a couple weeks. That's a third win. But can you find me three other wins? Florida, at Mizzou, at AM, Vandy, probably. But then you finish with Kentucky and Clemson. Like, three wins is not a lock. Six and six is not a lock for, for South Carolina. No, that's crazy. Uh, the other team that's on a bye week this week, just your assessment through the first five weeks on Tennessee. Um, really impressed with how they rebounded last week. And I say rebounded because I know they had a game in between the Florida game and South Carolina, but really impressed with the focus they had. And I will say this, I, I'm not surprised at the struggles that Joe Milton has had at quarterback, but the rest of the conference better be nervous that he doesn't get it figured out. And the Brew McCoy injury sucks. I hate that yeah. for him. Um, great kid. Seems like he's really found a home finally in, in Knoxville. But the rest of the conference better better pray that Milton doesn't figure it out because if they get that part of the offense going, everyone's in trouble. The um... – other thing I wanted to hit on just real quick in this segment, um, just kind of talking like coaches on the hot seat. Would we put Sam Pittman and Billy Napier on there right now? Ugh. I mean, it would have to continue to get worse. Like, like this thing would have to keep trending. I hate to say it, but how it's trending now. Um, like if, if Florida loses to Vandy this week, they're in trouble. Like they're in trouble. Um, that was not a good look at what happened against Kentucky. But also – Kentucky is a better football team than Florida. Like they probably should have never been favored in that game or even like, you know, less than a a two point spread in that game. 
Um, you you got to for, for Florida, they have to win the games and Arkansas really, you got to win the games that you're supposed to win on the rest of the schedule. I don't even think you need, if you're, if you're either one of those coaches, a, a extra surprise win for the fan base to still like you because you have enough built up there for Pittman. And then also Napier got that big win against Tennessee already. Ironically, one of the coaches that came into the year on the hot seat, Jimbo Fisher, might be cooling. We'll see what happens this week against mm-hmm. Alabama. We'll get into the SEC Week 6 late with Chris Marler here in just a second. More Locked on SEC right after this. First, I want to remind you guys, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. Look, Bird Dogs is doing their part to make you guys look good. They feature those uh, stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg to give you that sculpted look. Their shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. Let's be real. Uh, some cooler temps coming across the SEC this uh, over these next couple weeks, but Bird Dogs got you covered, man. They're not just shorts. They got pants, uh, the stretchy fabric to move around, feel comfortable, and they uh, fit any occasion, whether you're playing golf, out on a date, uh, an evening out, hanging out by the pool, workout, lounging, work, whatever it is, Bird Dogs is going to make you look good and feel good. Go to birddogs.com slash college. Enter our promo code college at checkout. That will get you a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. It's a nice water bottle. Go to birddogs.com slash college for that free water bottle at checkout. We promise you, you will not want to take your Bird Dogs off. They'll make you look good, feel good, and uh, you'll be in style at the SEC tailgate over the next couple weeks. Birddogs.com slash college. And we continue on with our buddy Chris Marler from the uh, – College football. What what is your podcast again? The Saturday You're Football right Uncensored up. Podcast. I yeah. I mess it up every time. Well, if you weren't rebranding every month, I could uh, I could hit it right, right. But anyway, yeah. just, I'm well, just I mean, kidding. I'm not the one that made that decision. So <laughs> Saturday Football Uncensored is the podcast. Marler, you know what you want to do in year three of a podcast that you haven't supported or posted <laughs> it on your website ever anyway is change the name of it so it's even harder to find. Thanks a lot, SDS. Chris Marler and uh, Tyler Huck, they do an awesome job. All right, Marler, I want to jump into it uh, with uh, some of the games happening this weekend. And uh, we'll start just, and obviously this game isn't going to be one anyway, it's going to be watching, but 11 a.m. Central on the SEC Network. It's 2-3 and three Mississippi State against 2-3 and three Western Michigan. It's a weird game, but Mississippi State's about a 20-point favorite. It's a get-right game for them after a three-game slide. Yeah. But, but, man, you, you saw him play Alabama this past week. What a weird team that just doesn't have an identity. The perfect word. Perfect word. And I, can't, I, I know I said it on our podcast, the Saturday Football Uncensored podcast. Yeah. Uh, and I think I said it on here, too. And one of the things I was most impressed about after that week two win against Arizona, and Arizona sucks, right? So it's, it's like it's not a huge win. It was a double overtime win. You probably should have, like, beat him by more or whatever. But one of the things that did impress me with it was that, like, the commitment they had to running the football and their offensive identity under Zach Arnett, which was like, you know, like, you have Will Rogers there, so you're not going to probably – like, if if a game gets dicey, you have the career-leading passer, like, all-time in your program um, in your back pocket, like, like throw the football. And they didn't do that. And I remember praising Zach Arnett for it because it's like early on in his coaching career, that's at least a bold move to to put your foot down and be like, this is who we're going to be. Now three games later, I, I have no clue who they're who they're trying to be. Like South, excuse me, South Carolina. They had 487 yards passing this past week. They ran the ball. Mike Wright was more involved in the red zone. Um, it seemed to be pretty successful, to be honest. Like I, I don't know what they're trying to do consistently. I will say against Bama, they were a little bit nicked up. Jaquavius Marks was was injured. 
Um, even when he came in, he still had a couple big runs. But like, I, I mean, this was going. This was always going to be a difficult year for them. I'm a little bit. I, I would like to see Will Rogers off on a better note. How about that? Yeah, and look, they'll win. They they'll win this one against Western Michigan. That'll get them a three and three. They do pl- still play Southern Miss later in the year. That'll get them the four wins. But can you find two SEC wins? Keep in mind, they're winless in the SEC. No. They have road trips at Arkansas, at Auburn, home for Kentucky, at A&M, and then, of course, the Egg Bowl, which, looking right now, I don't know if they'll beat Ole Miss. So, man, two wins. It says two wins, but, okay, maybe Arkansas and Auburn, they have a chance. But you got to kind of almost win one of those to, to get to uh, six wins to get bowl eligibility. So, Zach Arnett yeah. kind of going through it this year. All right, at, at 4 p.m. Eastern on the SEC Network, it's 2-4 and four Vandy at 3-2 and two Florida. Did you see the line on this game? No. And I know Vandy's going through it right now, and, and A.J. Swan's been banged up. They had to turn to Ken Seals. Defense wasn't great, but Florida Ken just – Ken Seals just sounds like a, a mustache that came to life. <laughs> like that name hey, is – He's a friend on the pod. We had him on two years ago on, on, on the show. Uh, but Florida is a 28-and-a-half-point favorite against Vanderbilt. This is a game Florida lost a year ago with Anthony Richardson. Has Florida beaten anybody 28 by 28 besides themselves? Yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, they won Tennessee. It was convincing, but it wasn't by 28-and-a-half. Vegas is so messed up, man. That That is like... That is like 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 if like a, a recovering addict was like, no, I'm getting clean, and you're like, no, just just have a little taste here. Maybe <laughs> plus twenty eight and a half. Like I'll dabble. Like that is like that's a crazy line. Like that is a crazy line. I, I don't know. I mean, I take Florida to win. It's you rarely you rarely get a chance to have a revenge game against Vandy. Nobody wants to have a revenge game against Vandy in this sport. Um, I like Florida to rebound. You would think they did the they did a really good job of that. Early in the season after the Utah game and kind of rallying the troops, of course, they got an extra week to do that against Tennessee. Um, this is an important game. Like, this is an important game for, for Napier because, I, like I said, like a minute ago, I think that he is going to be able to, like, evade the hot seat talk. It's only year two and you got that big win under your belt. But if you lose this game, I mean, the stove just gets turned right back up. What's crazy is I'm looking at poor and, and poor Clark Lee, right? He's going to lose this yeah. game. They're going to fall to two and five. So the two SEC wins I actually got last year: Kentucky avenged their loss. Georgia will avenge, or Florida will avenge their loss this week. And then next week, Vandy's got to host Georgia. Like, first off, to play eight straight games out of the gate, you played week zero. You don't, you never have a break yet. <laughs> and we got three teams in the SEC that played five games, and they all got their bye already this week. Yeah, Vandy. Who made that schedule, bro? Like eight straight weeks without a bye. I mean, that's what Bama and LSU are doing. That's true. Every year, like every year, they do that. But it's Vandy. So like, Vandy. I've always said this. Vandy should get in a minimum two buys. Like Vandy should get a minimum two buys. Yeah, they should also like, if we're being honest, like bring Cutler back. Like let them have an all-time quarterback. Make it fun. <laughs> we're already changing every other rule in college football. How about this schedule, though? Later in the season, they'll play Auburn. They'll play at South Carolina. They get a bye in the second to last week, and then they finish at Tennessee. Like, what? Yeah. Honestly, though, they get Auburn at home, right? Yeah. That might be the one. That might be the one. And also, you know you know that you, – okay, do you know what the all-time series record is? I don't. It's tied. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. So, it's, I mean well, – History is somehow on Vandy's side. 
Uh, I do want to touch on two more games here real quick. 6.30 Eastern on the SEC Network. It is 2-3 Arkansas at number 16, Ole Miss. Ole Miss, an 11.5-point home favorite. Uh, Ole Miss could do no wrong last week against LSU. I mean, the, the, the hangover concern about the loss to Alabama and Tuscaloosa, Ole Miss came back home to Vaughn Hemingway, and it was rocking. And, look, the defense isn't good, obviously, but the offense is really, really good. And bounce-back game for Quinshawn Judkins – Man, Arkansas is really going through. They they couldn't even put up a fight against AM a week ago. Yeah, Arkansas is not good. And they got Rocket Sanders back for that game, which is tough. Um, I remember saying that the 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 perfect setup for AM in that game was like a get right game for that defensive line against a really, really bad Arkansas offensive line. Um, and it played out exactly to that. And and you know, I think AM is still really a good team and they're they're a long way from their their completed selves. Um it's just, you know, like I, I know they lost to Miami, but I, I think they are a much better team than that. They had 15 tackles for loss against Arkansas. They scored in every phase of the game. I mean, you got beat in every possible way to look at it. There wasn't a lot of, you know, there just weren't a lot of positives. And I think what, what concerned me more than anything for Arkansas is like it, the looks on 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 KJ Jefferson's face. And just like his overall body language, like KJ Jefferson is a absolute warrior, love how hard of a competitor he is and all that kind of stuff. But he seems like he's fed up, man. It, like this is there's, he can't do it all on his own. And I'm, I've never seen a quarterback of that size constantly be lined up in shotgun on third and fourth and short. Makes no sense to me. Yeah. And I think uh, both Rocket Sanders and KJ Jefferson are saying, really, Dan Enos, that's the best we could do. I mean, you thought Kendall Browles was a problem. Enos has not been good. All right, you know, well, it's shocking that they that the the offensive coordinator you hired, who left another SEC program in the same division as you in the middle of the night without telling anyone goodbye because he didn't have like the man in in him <laughs> to go up as an adult male and tell the coaches, "Hey, I'm going to take this job." And said, "I'm shocked that he's not doing well and doesn't garner the respect of his players." Crazy how that works out. Well, Les Miles would have said he didn't have the chest to lead us. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's, that's good, what he that's would say. Les Miles. Uh, certainly, my my favorite was always uh, we didn't uh, we didn't come away with victory today. It's tough to finish second. I'm like finish second, you lost. Shut up. <laughs> uh, one more game this segment. Eleven a.m. Central on ESPN is number twenty three LSU. Yes, they're ranked with two two uh, losses. They're at number twenty one Mizzou and Marler. They're six and a half point road favorites. So. Everybody want to complain about LSU having two losses. Why are they ranked? They're the favorite against a ranked team on the road. Yeah, I mean, listen, even as a Bama guy, that whole that whole thing that Saban did last year made no sense then either, though. Well, we're favored by every team. Well, you're favored by double digits against against LSU and, and by a touchdown or more against Tennessee, and you lost both those games. Vegas isn't in the in the you know in the business of 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 telling you who should win. It's by how many points you usually, and they're trying to get like even action on both sides. I can't, I can't really, like, something has to give, right? Like, and it's it's really on LSU, not even in a matchup in this game. LSU got the fourth best offense in the country, the 117th ranked defense. They are just, they have been about as bad as possible in the back end, and I, I like, I think like 90 percent of the country. I'm looking at this game, and I'm like, yeah, LSU's going to go in there and beat them. But I thought the same thing in 2020, and. I'm t- every single time we doubt Mizzou, and Mizzou hasn't really had the ability to like they they don't have a killer instinct at Mizzou. They just don't like couldn't do it against MTSU. Couldn't really do it against K State, even though they won in dramatic fashion. Couldn't do it against Memphis. 
had a 24-7 lead against Vandy and still weren't able to put your foot on someone's throat. So if they get up early on LSU, you better keep keep your foot on the gas because nobody's going to stop this LSU offense. There's yeah. not. It's a very, very potent offense. I, I still think Ole Miss is very lucky. They got they got to come away with a win last week. Um, but Mizzou, like, you got to get Luther Burden to continue to keep, to, to keep playing well. And I guess the biggest thing for me is, like, Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback in the SEC right now. But Brady Cook is, is number two. And I yep. never thought that's a sentence I would say, but he's been phenomenal all season. So he's got he's to kind of continue to play mistake-free football. And maybe at some point LSU figures out what they're doing with Harold Perkins. Yeah, it's it, it's mind-boggling. But it is funny, though, because all the attention this week, everybody, all the focus has been what's wrong with LSU's defense, this and that. Mm-hmm. What nobody talks about is they fell behind big in that game and came back and took a lead on Ole Miss. Yeah, and the offense basically for a second straight week they did against Arkansas, they did against Ole Miss. They scored at will every time, like mm-hmm. just score, score, score. And for you to say that LSU has the fourth best offense in the country, like Les Miles is somewhere hyperventilating because he misses the days of winning games seventeen to thirteen, where Jordan Jefferson oh throws God. for ninety yards. Like to say that LSU's come this far on offense, it's it's unbelievable. As good as Joe yeah. Burrow was. Jane Daniels is maybe having the second greatest offensive season ever for an LSU player, and it's marred because they have two losses already. So this is where I feel yeah. like if you're LSU, go prove it. Go win at Missouri. Missouri's been a great story. It's Brady Cook, Cody Schrader, all those guys. But if you're LSU, you cannot lose this game. So, no, you can't. So I'll take LSU. All right, when we come back with Marler, we will hit on the uh, two bigger games going around the SEC here in just a sec. But first, I want to remind you guys, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Look, for all of you guys that are interested in getting in on the action, step into the action, uh, the NFL particularly, with FanDuel. They are America's number one sports book right now. New customers can get that $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on the action. We're a couple weeks into the uh NFL season, of course, college football season still going on. FanDuel's got tons of lines there, tons of SEC games with all the action, and their app, very, very easy to use. Tons of uh, betting options for you, including spreads, player props, over-unders, all that's up there for you. Go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That'll kick off your NFL season just right with uh, all the great um, uh, features they got there for you. It is FanDuel. They are the official partner of the NFL. All right, diving back into it with our buddy Chris Marler from the uh, Saturday Football Uncensored podcast. Marler, we got two games of the week. We'll start with number 20, Kentucky at number one, Georgia. This will be 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Uh, Look, Georgia was about a 14.5-point road favorite against Auburn last week. Georgia is a 14.5-point home favorite over number 20, Kentucky. We saw, you know, it's so funny, two different tales of last week. Uh, Georgia goes and escapes on the road at Auburn where Brock Bowers kind of takes over there at the end and gets the go-ahead touchdown. Kentucky just absolutely steamrolled Florida last week. Ray Davis, he was a top-five rusher in the SEC a year ago at Vanderbilt, but now we're actually paying attention to him because he's at Kentucky. And Kentucky's undefeated. Devin Leary's looked good, hasn't had to do much as of late because that run game's been so good. But, man, what what an interesting game of who is Georgia, but really who's Kentucky? You know, it's like, who are these guys yeah. if you haven't watched them yet? Yeah, Kentucky, you know, five wins right out of the gate, I think is great. 
Um, schedule's very easy. Schedule's very easy. I think they have 124th ranked strength of schedule. Uh, one thing is kind of concerning. They were 132nd or 130th, I think. It was 132nd. Going into the game against Florida, they left a game against Florida and only moved up eight spots in strength of schedule, which is pretty shocking, um, mainly because of Florida. But, uh, no, I think that, like, looking at this game, if you're Kentucky, part of you has to be kind of licking your chops, right? Like, and, and Kentucky's played Georgia well over the past couple of years. Like, they played him close last year. They played him close. Will Levis had arguably his best game, um, like arguably his best game in college against them. I know, like, from a, a number standpoint, like, it wasn't, like, some of the games he had, like, in the bowl game or against Louisville or against Tennessee, but, like, I mean, against that defense, going two touchdowns, zero receptions, all that kind of stuff. They've played really well. And then you just watch Georgia get, like, gashed at times against Auburn. It's a very different type of offense. But if you're coming off a career game for Ray Davis and you just watch Georgia give up, they, they had the most rushing yards they've allowed since the 2018 loss they had against LSU, so the most in five years. And, and what Auburn chose to do is Auburn just woke up and chose violence and was like, you know what, we're going to run it into the teeth of the – what has been the best defense in college football over the last, you know, two plus years and see what happens. They didn't have like what's concerning if you're Georgia is you just let Auburn do that. And it's not like Auburn is a triple option team or they're like a very dynamic team on offense or that they're even balanced because they cannot throw the football. It's all they're able to do is run the ball. And you were giving up almost five yards of carry. Like that is scary going up against a Kentucky team. Any, Concern on the other side, Kentucky's defense versus Georgia's offense. We know Brock Bowers has been coming on as of late, back-to-back 100-yard games for him. Yeah. I mean, like, maybe we put maybe we put somebody on Brock Bowers this weekend. Um, I, I think that, like, what's interesting about the way they run this, this offense is that most everything you do is in 12 personnel where you have multiple tight ends. So it's usually Brock Bowers and Oscar Delp on the field. Now what that does is a lot of times, it like, it, especially with – you know, some of the other guys they have at receiver, um, at least Arian Smith, who might be your other most explosive playmaker on the bench. Like, he, he has not found a role, especially with Lyde McConkie coming back against Auburn. So I wonder what the offense looks like because, it, it, like, 12 personnel is great, and Georgia has obviously put up a lot of numbers with Bowers. And the offensive numbers aren't that far from what they did, you know, with, with Todd Munkin. I think Carson Beck has gone – completely overlooked for some reason. Like, he was 8 of 10 in the fourth quarter last week and 8 of 10 on third downs. I think what it will be interesting to see this week is what Georgia decides to do is like with their identity because we've seen Georgia for the last several years, right? And what they tend to do late in games is lean on you and lean on you and start running, and then they start gashing you in the fourth. Georgia ran 13 total plays in the fourth quarter against Auburn, and 10 of them were passing plays. The only three runs they had were for a combined negative two yards. So... I think they're going to have to get more than just Brock Bowers involved, but I mean, I, I don't know. Like, what do you do? Triple team them? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you almost have to, and 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 challenge those other guys. And I know they're dangerous. I mean, Rara Thomas and and all those other guys that they've had. I know they've been banged up here. There uh, was it Marcus Saint Jack Rosemi Saint Jack yeah. Rosemi. Yeah, Jack, one of my favorite ingredients. In whenever I reverse sear a steak, it's it's. I mean, they got weapons everywhere. So, but look, I'm gonna lean. Look, it's a lot of 14 and a half. Like, if I have to bet the spread, I think I might lean Kentucky. But maybe Georgia wins another close one because they've been they've done that a couple times already this year. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, like, I I, I, for whatever reason, 
I keep expecting the breakout of this first half lull, and I think that might be something they, they might be able to do against Kentucky. But we're also going to see Devin Leary go into his first hostile environment because I, I don't think Kentucky's left the state, have they? Um, yeah, I think so. I need to look at their schedule, but yeah, it's been a, it's it's been a little bit weaker. And by the way, you know, if we're just going offensive yards per game so far, Georgia four eighty one. Kentucky 396, so a little bit stronger uh, offense there for Georgia. All right, let's get to the big one, the game of the week. It is number 11 Alabama at 4-1 Texas A&M, 230 Central on CBS. This is an Iowa-Penn State. Uh, Alabama minus 2.5 on the road in College Station, the place where they lost two years ago. What? <laughs> what do you want me to say? Um, Two good defenses. Whatever the over-under is, I'm leaning under. Uh, without a doubt. I think the under is the play. Um, Bama's defense has been really, really solid. Been really, really solid. I think – do we give you a prediction? Like, I, like, part of me wants to give you this long-winded thing like I always do about <laughs> every other thing you've ever effing asked me. But I'll just be straight to the point with this with Bama. A&M – is the only team in the SEC, and I believe the only team in the country, and I wish I would have taken a picture of this on SEC Final when they posted the stat, but I know it's the only team in the SEC that has scored on their first two drives for every single game they've played so far this season. They have come out of the gates really, really well. So when they're on script, especially, Petrino in that offense, even with Max Johnson against Arkansas, they were able to score on their first two drives in all five games they've played so far and get up ahead early. They get to play at home, which they've been obviously a lot better. Their one loss is on the road. Kind of surprised they're still unranked. Um, they are their offense is good. Like they're going to put up points. They've got one of, if not the best receiver in the SEC, one of the best in the country, and Evan Stewart. Anaya Smith uh, has played well. I mean, like so I said it earlier about Arkansas against Arkansas, they scored in every phase of the game last week. That's like a very impressive thing to do in a football game. It's about as good as you can get. Return they had a punt return for a touchdown, had a pick six, and obviously they were good on offense. Alabama has not shown that they can play from behind and win a football game, and they haven't had to go on the road except for at USF and Mississippi State. You can say they didn't struggle at Mississippi State, and that's fine. They did struggle against against USF. Jalen Milrow, it's taken him a minute to get going, especially in the passing game. I think this they only had five total passes in the first half against Mississippi State. You're not going to be able to run that kind of offense against, against A&M. And the thing that concerns me the most with Alabama is – they're, I don't know if they're able to play from behind and come from behind with that offense. The offense has been awful. The offense has not put up over 400 yards except for in the first game of the year against MTSU. They've been under 400 yards in their last four games. It's the first time they've, they've had four straight games under 400 yards since the 2015 season. Very tough to do. They're not putting up a ton of points, especially offensively. Um, they get into a ton of third downs. And I don't know if that offensive line is going to be able to hold up against how physical A&M's defensive line is going to be. So it's October 7th when they play this game on Saturday. And on October 8th, we're going to wake up and Alabama's going to have their second loss and I think probably be out of the playoff time. Here's some crazy stats. Like, I'm just trying to look, I'm trying to look for an edge. And, and look, A&M's offense ranks sixth in the SEC. Bama's 11th, but th- you can't go with that because Connor Wegman is is gone, and he mm-hmm. you know, put up a lot of yards and points on Louisiana Monroe and all that. So I dive deeper into the stats, and I see that uh, in terms of, okay, how about rushing? Because I you know, talked about this the other day. A&M's been better at running the football. Bama's been pretty good at it. They're literally 6th and 7th in the SEC in rushing yards. So, like, they're neck and neck there. I look at defense, and I go, all right, well, what about sacks? 
A&M's got 20, Bama's got 17. So it's like every statistical category I start to look at with these two is like they're neck and neck. And look, with Wegman gone, Max Johnson's been good. But like, really, pick it. Who would you rather have in a game, Max Johnson or Jalen Milrow? And then a toss-up for most people, like if you were just being a neutral party, like both have their strengths and weaknesses. So like to me, it, it, it this is, really comes down to which defense makes the bigger plays. Yeah. But the good news is for Bama, this defense has really been playing lights out the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I think the defense is going to keep them in this. I, the the matchup I'm most excited for is is to watch what Kool Aid and Terry and Arnold uh, do against against Evan Stewart because that's going to be a really really good matchup. Terry and Arnold, we're not talking enough about him because Kool Aid gets all the pub, but he he's been phenomenal this year. Um, you were try, you said you're looking for an edge, right? Yeah. And and you you said the sacks thing. They they have. The same amount of sacks, right? 20 and 17. Close. Okay. So on the opposite side of that, why not look at the edge if you're trying to find one of which offensive line has allowed the least amount of sacks? Because A&M's allowed seven all year in five games. That's fourth best in the SEC. Um, That's that's really good. That's really – it's actually third best in the SEC. I'm sorry. Um, That's really good. Bama, 13th. They've given up 20 sacks. And and here's the thing. The stat that was craziest to me was – Against USF and Texas, Bama gave up five sacks each in both those games. And it's the first time since the 2007 season that Alabama had given up back-to-back games of five or more sacks, okay? Since then, it's not like they've righted the ship. They gave up four last week, and they gave up four against Ole Miss. So I just – I think Milrow, he, he's got to have to play mistake-free football, and, and I don't think you're going to be able to run a game plan like you did last week where you're able to run the football down someone's throat. Like, like, you know, I just don't see that happening. The sack stat's a little skewed because with running quarterbacks, you know, when he takes off to run and gets tackled behind the line, you know what I mean? Like, it's... Throw the ball away. I know, but it's... Twice in the first drive last week. It's not the end-all, be-all for a running quarterback. Sometimes it might have been a designed run, but he got hit behind the line and it was a sack. Anyway, whatever. So, uh, that one's a little bit out there. If you're leaning A&M, though, I... I start to wonder: Does Alabama go in, and, and is this their statement win of the of yeah. the season? You know, I mean, it, it would. Everybody and their brother seems like you know they did it against Texas, and and people were right. But now it feels like everybody's doing the same thing. Oh, A and M, it's a yeah. great spot for them. But I just A and so good defensively. The run game is much improved. All those weapons they have on on wide receiver. I just wonder: Is Max Johnson due for a letdown game where he throws two bad picks? Bama capitalizes, and they win a close one in College Station. That's where I'm leaning. Bama will not win this game if they don't win the turnover battle. I, I will say that for sure. And I tell you what, one of the best players on this team for Alabama has been so far this year is James Burnup, the punter. I yep. never thought I would be saying that. If you're if you're talking about one thing that c- it could come down to, I'm going to knock on wood because I feel like I'm going to jinx him. Will Rikers hit his last 24 field goals in a That's row, good. including his last 10-plus from 40-plus yards. Um so, you, you know, you, they've been able to punt and play special teams pretty well. That's all I'm going to say. Riker coming back this year has been has been big for Alabama. Um, yeah. You know, because that was such a big area could serve for so many years with Alabama was yeah. making kicks. So, he is Chris Myler, the uh, Saturday or yeah, Saturday Football Uncensored podcast. I think I got it. Um, yeah, I love Mike Bratton. Marler, any, uh, any closing thoughts? No, I appreciate you having me on. It's my favorite part of the week, as always. Um, I'm going to go pee. Best of luck, everyone's teams. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, thanks. He is Chris Marler there. Uh, appreciate him joining us. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Keep coming back and checking us out tomorrow on the show. We will have more getting you ready for SEC Week 6, previewing some of the games, bringing you the latest news around the conference. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked On SEC. Talk to you guys tomorrow.